And you're seated. Our children are being dismissed to Children's Church, and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. You are good. Lord God, you have sent your son Jesus. Uh, Jesus was only received by a few. He was rejected. Ultimately, he was rejected by the ones who make the decision. He was judged, condemned. He was sentenced to death and he died a cruel death. Like a lamb. Slain before the foundation of the world. But God, you have raised him up and you've given him a name which is above every name. So we know that this lamb-like king is really the lion of the tribe of Judah. We thank you for him. God, we pray and we ask that you would be with us this morning as we attend to your word. I pray that you'd be with me, that uh, uh, those words that I say will be uh, fruitful and good for us as we strive to be disciples of your son, Jesus. It will be fruitful and good for us so that we could make other disciples of Jesus. Uh, God, uh, not only do we want these words to equip us and be fruitful, nourishing us, but Lord, uh, I pray that it brings you honor and glory. I pray that everything that I say will, uh, will be true and right, and it will exalt you. Um, Lord, we pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. Amen. Grab one of my uh, my pulpit over here. Began doing some readings as we are now in the Advent season. Uh, technically, according to the uh, church calendar, the season leading up to Christmas is called the Advent season. It's a season in which we are waiting in anticipation, longing, uh, kind of in remembrance of Christ's first coming, but now we are waiting in anticipation and longing for the one who has come to come again. Uh, that is the season. We in America don't typically follow the church's liturgical calendar. Usually what we do is it's that season. Or right now, I mean, uh, a lot of people uh, put away their turkey on Thursday and they started getting down their Christmas decorations on Friday. And uh, usually it's the season that we celebrate before Jesus's birth. We celebrate Jesus's birth, this month-long celebration, if you will, and, and he's worthy of such a celebration, but the, but, but, the, but, but the church's calendar would be leading up to his birth, we would be in anticipation. Then when he was born, we would celebrate. Um, ladies, y'all might know what this was like whenever you were, when you were bearing your children. Uh, and in fact, uh, you might really remember those last few weeks in which you were bearing 
or carrying your children. Uh, you were more anticipating them being out of the womb than you were celebrating them being already here. Longing for that even. I remember Brittany, uh, we would, uh, with Asher, uh, was Asher like a week and a half uh, late or so? Um, that was fun, wasn't it? Uh, we would go and we would walk, walk, we would park as far away as we could from, uh, from the store so that we could walk in and, um, and you know, she would uh, do all the things because she wasn't going, oh, I'm so glad this bundle of joy is in my belly. She was waiting and longing for this bundle of joy to be delivered. So I began reading some uh, Advent reading uh, this last week. And, uh, and in my readings, I came across this quote I want to share with you. It's a little bit lengthy. So just uh, if, if it's. If it's a quote that you zone out on, uh, just imagine that I'm speaking it and I wrote it myself, all right? It says, for the vast majority of us, December flies by in a flurry of activities, and what is called the holiday season turns out to be the most stressful time of the year. Have y'all felt that? It is also a time of contrasting emotions. We are eager yet frazzled, sentimental yet indifferent. One minute we glow at the thought of getting together with our family and friends, and the next moment we feel utterly lonely. Our hope is mingled with dread, our anticipation with despair. We sense the deeper meanings of the season, but grasp at them in vain. Have you ever felt that? Oh, parents, maybe you haven't felt it yourself so much as you felt it for your children. Do you know what we're really celebrating? And in the end, the bustle leaves us frustrated and drained. Now, I don't think that any of us would be allowed to freely state that, would we? At the end of the holiday season, if you came away and you said, you know what, after all the carols, after all the hayrides and hot chocolate, after all the things we did, you know what I'm feeling? A little frustrated and drained. But maybe if we were deeply aware of what's really going on in our hearts, maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe you've not experienced that every year, but you have experienced it on certain years. Certain times when you were like, we just didn't really get there. Just didn't really get to experience the spiritual reality of this season. We didn't get to experience the, uh, uh, the, the, the great hope and joy of this season. The writer continues and says, even if we do not experience such tensions, maybe you're one who genuinely loves Christmas. It says, even when we do not experience such tensions, we often do miss the point. Sometimes content with candles and carols and good food, we bask in the warmth of familiar traditions, in the reciprocated acts of kindness, 
and in feelings of general goodwill. I know for years and years and years, and I'm not going to call them out as I called out Miss Ruth about the sweet potato casserole earlier, but I know for years that there are people who I grew up with that the second that they were allowed to listen to Christmas music, they began listening to Christmas music. And they couldn't wait until Sunny 99.1 went 100% Christmas music. Did you say that? Right. See, we're on the same wavelength. When two agree, this is a beautiful thing, right? So sometimes what happens is we get wrapped up in the warmth and the, you know, all the beautiful things of Christmas time, Christmas season. Here's what they ask. How many of us remember the harsh realities of Christ's first coming? The dank stable, the cold night, the closed door of the inn. How many of us share the longing of the ancient prophets? This line got me. Think about it. How many of us share the longing of the ancient prophets who awaited the Messiah with such aching intensity that they foresaw his arrival thousands of years before he was born? They longed for a king who was not like the other kings. A ruler who would rule in justice and equity. A ruler who couldn't be bribed. A, a judge who could be merciful and forgiving. Not when he received something, but when he could be merciful and forgiving of great cost to himself. Do you know any judges like that who are willing to forgive if it costs them their lives? Their reputation, their legitimate or their legitimization by the other authorities. So, this got me thinking. No doubt you have experienced the dissonance and emotions through the Advent slash Christmas season. You've experienced this. You, you, you've had those moments where you were eager yet frazzled, where you were sentimental, and yet you could also find yourself indifferent, where, where you thought, oh man, I can't wait to get together with everybody, and then you got together with everybody, and you thought, I feel so alone. This is why we can watch a silly movie like Home Alone. Y'all familiar with the movie? I'm very familiar with the movie. Because that kid, Macaulay Culkin, has a really cool name. And so every time I introduce myself, uh, because Home Alone was such a, such a success and has had a lasting legacy, I don't go, I don't get people going, Macaulay, that's a pretty neat name. They go, Macaulay, and then a light bulb goes off, and they go, like Macaulay Culkin? Just like Macaulay Culkin. Except for I'm awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about him, no. Uh, I'm very familiar with the movie. In fact, y'all should know this. I loved this movie whenever I was a kid. 
Uh, I actually thought it was really cool that I had the same name as the lead actor, although our names are spelled differently. Um, his parents didn't know what they were doing whenever they spelled his name, but uh, we got ours right because I got mine from my mom's maiden name. Um, but uh, liked the movie so much that my aunt one year, uh, the, uh, she got me a full-size cutout of Kevin McAllister that sat in my room. Um, and I thought that was a pretty cool gift. But if you've ever watched the movie, you know it's a silly movie. And so sometimes it's funny that these silly movies surprise us with some deep emotion. You can watch Home Alone and you can be moved at the thought of Kevin's newfound freedom once he realizes that his wish came true. He made his family disappear. Wow. We've all can, we all could go on that trajectory. Man, wouldn't I want that just for a moment in time? Moms, you have wanted that from your children a time or two. And uh, you don't have to agree with me right here. I know in your heart of hearts that what I said is true. You just need some time to decompress. This is why you have tubs and why you have bubbles and why you soak in them. Uh, you don't care about your cleanliness. You care about your sanity. You want to get away. But aren't we even more moved? As the movie progresses and we find Kevin's mother's unyielding determination to get home to her son. And man, John Candy, who is just a goofball and a goober, even in the movie, gets you a little choked up. Uh, not only do we see uh, his mom's unyielding determination to get home to her son, we see Kevin's relationship with his isolated neighbor. Uh, through his relationship with Kevin, uh, he comes to reconcile with his own son. We get to see that on Christmas Eve, the family back together again. And finally, on Christmas morning, when Kevin comes down after defeating those bad guys in miraculous Christmas fashion, and he finds that he's not alone in the house anymore, and there's his mother. See, we get moved at these things, don't we? We understand the dissonance, the contrasting emotions. Not only have we experienced the contrast in emotions, though, and we've also had that longing. That maybe all we experienced was something that was vain and empty, something some, this season that is so filled with depth and meaning, we've also experienced that it floated by. Right on by us, as it were. And we didn't catch any of it. So, all of this is to illustrate, I believe, this morning this reality 
that this season finds us caught in the tension. We're not only caught in the tension of our emotions or of our longings to experience the warmth and joy of the holidays and missing the warmth and joy of the holidays or wanting to experience the depth of the spiritual reality of the holidays and missing the depth of the spiritual reality. We are caught in the tension because while Jesus has come, he is yet to come again. Jesus has come, as Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter number 9. I'll read it for you. Isaiah chapter number 9 says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shone. You have multiplied the nation. Increase the joy, they joy before thee according to the joy in harvest. And as men rejoice when they divide spoil. You've done something really good upon these people who were walking in darkness. They are now celebrating like warriors who are dividing spoil. Like people who have an abundant harvest. What have you done? Well, you have broken the, the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as you did in the day of Midian. You've broken his bondage, his exile. For every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments are rolled in blood. But this shall be with burning fuel uh, with burning and fuel of fire. There's a hot raging battle, but we know what's going to happen. Why? Verse number six. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There shall be no end to his reign. His government will continue to rule over us. His peace will continue to rule over us. Next week, I believe what we will talk about is what are we longing for? Are you longing for a mansion just over the hilltop? That's a great song, great sentiment. But we live in an unjust, corrupt, immoral world. Shouldn't we be longing for something a little bit more? That's what Isaiah was longing for. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And look, look here, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment. And with justice from henceforth forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform it. We are living in a tension, not just with our emotions, not just with the uh, desire and longing to experience a deeper, more meaningful, rich experience throughout this season. We are caught in a tension because Jesus has come. The light has shown. 
Those who are walking in darkness have seen the light. My brothers and sisters, I believe you would sing with me. I saw the light. I saw the light. No more in darkness, right? You've seen the light. You've experienced it. You've been set free. You've been set free from some of your brokenness and wounds in your life. Some of the hurting and heartache. Not only that has been caused you, but you've been set free from those things that you've caused others. You ever think about that every now and then? You think about yourself as a fifth grader and one of the mean things that you said to one of your classmates. And it gives you a little pain in your gut. Y'all with me on that? Those trivial things that probably if you went to that person and said, I'm very sorry, they would go, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> to the things that have caused great harm to you and to others in your life. You've seen the light. You've been set free from the darkness. You've been washed. You've been renewed. You've been redeemed. Why? Because of Jesus and all he has done. I talked a little bit ago. Do you know of a king who would come and be merciful to somebody at great cost to themselves? I know people who give mercy when they get bribed. I've heard, read the stories. I'm sure it still happens today in America. Would you be surprised to know that it happens in America? I doubt it, right? Uh, not only will people do it for, for, for actual literal bribes, they'll do it for influence because they want somebody's endorsement. They want the constituents that they could bring along. And so maybe, maybe uh, a kid gets pulled over and he's 20 years old and he's been reckless behind the vehicle or behind the wheel because he has a DU, because he's been driving while under the influence. But guess what? You know who his daddy is? Well, come here. Let's just make this all go away. And then some kid gets pulled over in a different neighborhood and he doesn't have a dad at home. And a little bag of weed is going to send him to jail for a few years. Do you know the judge that would set that man free at cost to themselves? We have one who has set us free at great cost to himself. The king who rules with judgment and justice, whose governance will never see an end, whose peace will, will, will his shalom will invade uh, uh, all of creation. You and I, we've seen the light. And yet we look around and just as I described, we see so much darkness. Uh, my algorithm is fixed now that I'm going to hear about everything that happens in Ukraine. Every time I open up my phone on social media or news outlets, they know I'm interested in what's going on in Ukraine. 
I can't hardly stomach some of the things I see going on in Ukraine. We are caught in between. I will stop preaching about this now. And now what do we do about it? What do you do about it when you find yourself caught in the tension? And the tension of the already but not yet. And the tension that Jesus has come. And there's a lot of good that has come into this world because Jesus has come. And the tension that says, God, where are you at? And when are you coming again? What do we do when we're caught in the tension? I invite you to look at Philippians chapter number four with me. This is a favorite passage of scripture, which I think applies broadly to many things. And it was a passage of scripture that the Lord brought to my heart, my mind. As I begin to ask that question, what do we do? Uh, I would imagine our tendency is to get frustrated Maybe we have two tendencies. Our one tendency is to deny that we feel that way. Like I said, could you get to the end of the holiday season after you've spent time with all your family and friends, after you've given gifts, after you've received gifts, after you've welcomed people into your homes, y'all have shared these wonderful moments of celebration and joy and love and great conversation. Could you get to the end of that and say, I'm just not satisfied? Would we allow you to say it here in church? You feel deeply within your bones. I can't say that. So what do we do is we deny. We deny that maybe there was some emotional dissonance there. Cognitive dissonance between what we experienced and what we hoped. The other thing is, is that we could despair under it. Oh, God, it's never going to be enough. Whenever I was a little kid, I was given a great Christmas at great sacrifice to my parents. But being a little kid, I did not understand this. My cousins had come in from California and we had a wonderful Christmas. But after all the presents were opened, all the turkey was eaten and we were laying in bed I told my cousin, who was a few years older than me, and a rat, as we'll find out here in a minute, I told him that I didn't get Jack Dewey Quap for Christmas. And I said it like that because if you talk to my boys, they would say it like that too. I didn't get Jack Dewey Quap for Christmas, and I heard it ever since because of my rat fink cousin. We couldn't just let that be between us. So even after all the things that we've received, sometimes we despair that it just wasn't enough. Here's the reality. We've been given so much, and yet it really is not enough. Because the promise was not, the promise was not, hey, I'm going to send my son into this world, and you're going to have this spiritual renewal within yourselves, but everything's going to continue pretty much as it is. The promise from the ancient prophets forward was that God's shalom is going to never be defeated by the gates of hell. God's kingdom would never be allowed to be kept out because of the gates of hell. The promise was that one day this whole world would be made right. 
Every tear will be wiped away. Every injustice will be undone. Every hurt, every brokenness will be healed. It will be fixed. That doesn't say it goes away. It will be healed. It will be fixed. All the things that we could gain from our brokenness will be gained. So, here's what we can do. We don't have to deny that there's still uh, a longing. We don't have to despair as though our longings will never come true. We can first and foremost, uh, and I, I'm going to back up a little bit, but we can rejoice in the Lord always. Not rejoice in this carpet or these pews. We can rejoice in the Lord, the Lord Jesus. We can rejoice in who Jesus is and what he's done. Can you find a reason to rejoice about Jesus and who he is? You can rejoice that Jesus was the one who whenever the woman was brought to him caught in the act of adultery, he bent down and he began writing in the dirt. And then he asked the great question, which we, we are so thankful for. Whoever is without sin can cast the first stone. Because that means that he might show mercy on me too. You can carry on with that. He says, let your moderation Moderation might not be the best translation in the Kings, but let your gentleness, let your meekness, let your goodness, your kindness be known unto all. The Lord is at hand. And then he says in verse number six, be careful for nothing. Don't even be anxious whenever you feel that you were caught in the tension. Be careful for everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication. You let your needs, your longings, your desires, the things that you think you should deny, the things that you despair over, you bring them to the Lord through prayer and supplication. Very practically, if I was to be taught as a young child, I could go to the Lord and say, God, I didn't think I got all the presents that I thought that I deserved this year. And that would give space for God to come in and say, I love you, but you're a little child and you're selfish and you're spoiled <laughs> and you need to have your, your mind corrected about some things. Or God could go, I know you feel like you needed a whole lot more, but let's celebrate what you've received. I bring my prayers and my supplications to the Lord and I do this with thanksgiving. I make my request known unto God. And now I don't have to deny that I have a longing, nor do I despair that there is a longing. I can be given this great gift. Verse number seven, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus. So you've just sat around with a room full of your close friends and relatives Y'all have shared a meal. Y'all have had great conversation. Y'all have enjoyed the night thoroughly and you walk away and you still have a longing in your heart. What you are able to do this Advent Christmas season, my brothers and sisters, is go to the Lord and say, God, I don't know why. But that beautiful night was not enough. wasn't enough 
I, I, I thank you for it. I celebrate it. But I'm caught in this tension because I'm not satisfied with the night of that. Oh, you whiny, snibbly little brat. No. I believe God's peace will come in and say, it's just a foretaste. It's not to be enough yet. It's just a foretaste of the kingdom. It's just daily bread. It's bread enough for the day. Receive it as bread enough for the day. Oh, God, that gives peace to my heart. And then Paul goes on to say, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard in me and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There's far too much that I can cover in talking about that. But the one thing that I will say is this. He's not saying, just think about the good things and stick your head in the sand. What happens when we're in denial and despair about how we are longing for something more? What tends to happen is you and I don't treat other people the way that Christ would have us treat them. And so I would encourage you all with this. I don't think this is saying simply think about the good things. These are a list of virtues. I would go back to what Paul says, let your moderation or your goodness, your gentleness, your meekness, your kindness be known unto all. Paul is saying, uh, and then he concludes it with all the things that you've heard and you've seen in me. I want you to do them. He doesn't just want us to think on these things. He wants us to live virtuous lifestyles. In the midst of it all, in the midst of your hurt and your longing for something more because you're caught in the tension, go to God. Talk to Him about it. Let Him supply peace to you. And then, think about all the things that God has promised for us in His kingdom that is still yet to come. And enact those things. Be kind and loving and compassionate. My brothers and my sisters, I believe if we do this, I believe we will look a lot like Jesus. Because to me, Jesus knew that he had come. He was the hope. And yet Jesus, when he saw the city of Jerusalem, said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I still long for you to receive me. Jesus knows what it's like to live in the tension. I would imagine even today, Jesus is caught in the tension. Saying, God, is it time yet? Are you ready to send me yet? He's caught in the tension. Uh, he's right with us. So we can uh, know what it's like to be with Jesus, we could look more like Jesus. And through that, we could lead others to the truth, to the reality, to the hope. That this is a good world, but it's not enough. Jesus was a good gift, 
And yet we're still waiting for him to come. And with that I say, amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are. God, we pray and we ask that you would be with us today as we receive your word. We pray and we ask that you would uh, take a, use it in our lives uh, to be fruitful. Help it to multiply. Help it to multiply our faith and our understanding of you. Help it to multiply our wisdom and our grace. Help it to multiply our witness, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Over the next few minutes, what I'm going to invite you to do is talk to God about what God's talking to you about.